My name is Alex DeRosa, and I'm our lead pastor here at New Life, and I just want to welcome you to service with us today. If this is your first time here, I want you to know that we've been praying and planning for your arrival and are just so thankful that you decided to invest some of your day with us. And truthfully, if it's your second, third, fourth, hundredth time here, we're just thankful that you decided to be with us. Right now, we're starting a three-week series called Mobilize. And in this series, we're focusing on two things. The first thing is God's immense love for the lost. And the second thing is how God calls us to join him in his pursuit of the lost. He wants to mobilize us to reach the world for his kingdom and his glory. A few months ago, our founding pastor, Pastor Chris, and I were speaking about what message series to use to kick off my time as lead pastor. And he suggested a three-week series on something that is both close to my heart and also close to the heart of new life. And so we chose Mobilize because it's always been a part of the DNA here at New Life. It's part of why Pastor Chris and Nancy started this church. It's, a, it's based on the foundation of the, them starting this to find the lost and bring them home to Jesus. And so we want to build upon that foundation as we continue going forward because we're going to have the same focus. And it's something that's been close to my heart because I remember the day when I entered into a relation with God. I remember being lost. And since then, God has called me to help find the lost and bring them home to the Father. And so we're talking about mobilization, mobilizing for God's kingdom, not only because it's close to my heart, but really, more importantly, it's close to the heart of God. When Jesus came to this earth, he made it clear that he came for everyone, even those that are far from him, even those that were enemies of God. He loves the broken and the flawed the ones that are even in rebellion against God, that are angry with God. He came for each of us. Maybe here today you're thinking, well, that's probably me. You don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you've never thought about where you stand with God, but you're definitely not in a relationship with him. Maybe you are at odds with him. Maybe you're angry with him for something. Well, I gotta tell you that Jesus loves you so much that he died and rose again for you and he wants to be in this relationship with you. Maybe right now you're thinking of a friend or a family member who doesn't yet know Jesus. Maybe they've been on your heart and it just feels like they're so far from coming to Jesus. Well, I want to encourage you as well that God is in pursuit of them. He currently has not forgotten them and he won't. And he wants us to join him in his pursuit of those people because of his great love for them. Jesus was very clear on this earth that he loves the lost. He even gave three examples, three stories detailing how God loves and cares for those that have wandered away. The first story that Jesus talked about, the first parable, was about a shepherd. He said the shepherd had 100 sheep, but one of them wandered off. So he left the 99 while they were secure and they were safe, and he went and found that lost one. Jesus then shared a story about a woman with 10 coins. She misplaced one coin, so she looked through the whole house until she found it, and she did find that one lost coin. And then Jesus shared a story of a dad with two sons. One of the sons stayed with him, but the other one left. The other one took part of his inheritance, and he left. And the father sat and waited for that son. And then when the son returned, the dad threw off all tradition and decorum and ran and embraced that son. In all three stories, Jesus detailed how they celebrated the shepherd, the woman, the father, when they found what was lost. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 15, first the sheep, and when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. 
about the coin, Jesus said, and when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. And about the son, the father said this to his son who had stayed. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Jesus then said that there is much celebration in heaven when someone who is lost comes to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Jesus even said that there are angels that are celebrating in heaven every single time someone comes into the saving relationship with their heavenly Father. And since this is such a central part of the heart of God, it's also a part of what Jesus has called us to do as well. I truly believe that there's nothing more important to God than for us to enter a relationship with him and to share the good news with others. It's so important. God wants us to be in this relationship with him. He died and rose again so that it was possible for us to reunite with God. And when we do that, we find this fulfillment. We become a part of who God has created us to be, a part of the family that he's created us to be a part of. And then when that happens, he calls us to join in his mission to reach the world for him. When Jesus was on this earth, he taught his disciples in that way. He helped them to see people as God sees them and even helped them to go and pursue those who are far from God. Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, talked about this training in the book of Matthew, chapter 9, 35 to 38. It says this, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd, he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Jesus lived this out. He not only left his safety of heaven to come here to the fields for us. But then while he was here, he went where the lost were. He went and sought after them. He built relationships with those who were far from God to show them the love so that he could ask them and he could walk them into relationship with their heavenly father. And he's called us to do the same thing, to come alongside people in the same way because their harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And he's asked us to be one of his workers to go out and seek and guide the lost to him. And this has always been a part of New Life's focus. It's why our mission statement says that we are to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world, one person at a time. It was at the heart of why Pastor Chris started this church, because we want to answer the call of Jesus to reach the world for his kingdom and glory. While we talk about this, it's easy and it's maybe natural for us to feel maybe a little nervous about the idea of sharing the good news with the lost, with our family members or friends or coworkers or classmates or whoever it is. But the good news is, one, we don't have to do it alone. God comes with us. And two, it actually is a lot simpler than we think. There's this writer named Gary Poole, and Gary Poole Um, summarize how do we go and reach the lost by saying there's three steps that we really need to focus on. The first step is developing relationships. The second step is discovering stories. And the third step is discerning next steps. Now, again, people are still going to have to make this choice, but he said, whenever we do these three things and we faithfully follow them, people will have an opportunity to see Jesus in us 
and it will guide them to a point where they can make a decision to follow God. And so throughout this series, for these three weeks, we're going to focus each week on one of those three steps. And today we're talking about developing relationships and the importance that it is for us to truly care for people, to have compassion for people as Jesus does, and how important it is for us to share our lives with others. And this is how the Apostle Paul, who went around and he started churches and he helped the lost to come to know Jesus, he talked about how he developed relationships by sharing his life with people in the church at Thessalonica. He said this, We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. He shared the good news. He shared the truth and he shared it in love, but he also shared his life with people, with the lost. And when we do this, people will see Jesus in us. And that's our take point. It's the one point that this message is all about today that we're focusing on. It's this, sharing our lives with the lost will show them Jesus. Sharing our lives with the lost will show them Jesus. Now, like I already said, it's still a decision that people will have to make. When we share our lives with the lost, we can't force them to follow Jesus. Sometimes you kind of wish you could, but you can't. God gave us free will to make a decision. But what we can do is love people in such an authentic way that they see Jesus' love through us. And it allows them to have an open heart to receiving the message of Jesus. Sometimes we think that salvation and coming to Jesus as Lord and Savior only happens at a church service, happens in a format like this. And while we do believe that that still does happen, it's why we give an invitation to know Jesus as Lord and Savior every single week here at New Life, I also acknowledge that while messages from the stage help, what God likes to do is bring relationships in our lives that help us to see Jesus. I know in my life that's true, and maybe it's yours as well. Maybe you can even think of someone who first introduced you to the idea of Jesus. Maybe it was a family member, a parent, or a grandparent, or a spouse, or maybe it was your kid who came home from New Life students and was so excited about Jesus, or maybe it was a youth group leader or a teacher, someone that started you on that path to start to question about the universe and start to think about this idea of coming into relationship with Jesus. For me, I often say that I trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior at a retreat, in a service very much like this. But I have to admit that it wasn't just that service that that led me to trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. It was all the relationships that led to that point. You see, I entered into a youth ministry with a very hard heart. I had no desire to listen to the messages or to hear about Jesus, but the relationships there helped soften that heart so I could hear the good news. Sometimes it was something very simple, like a popular girl from youth group was in my school and she would say hi to me in the hallways. And I went, oh, that's cool. She remembers me from youth group. Or it was sometimes a group of guys that were getting together from youth group that were playing video games and they invited me to go along or to play football or to watch a movie. And I remember thinking, oh, me too. I can be a part of this group, and it helped me to know that they cared for me. Sometimes it was big instances. One that sticks out in my mind was at a youth group night. We were about to play this game, and I don't remember exactly what the rules of the game were, but I knew that it was a little embarrassing, and I felt too cool to play the game. I didn't want to play, so I declined participation. And so the youth pastor asked one of the leaders to come over and invite me to play, which was a nice thing to do. 
but I got angry. I got so mad at him. I don't even know why, but I said some things I can't say from the stage. I cussed him out for even just inviting me to play this game because I felt so embarrassed. And I look up at him and I was getting really mad and I had to look up at him because he's like six foot five and I was not as tall as I am today. I know you look at me and you're like, wow, he's five foot six and three quarters, uh, like a giant of a man. But back then, pre-growth spurt, uh, I was about five foot nothing and I looked up at him and I was so angry that he invited me to play a game, which doesn't make sense now, but whatever. I reached up and I grabbed the glasses from his face and then I held him in my hand and I thought, what am I going to do now? Because I had not thought through that. I didn't want to break him or smash him. He's huge. Um, and so I looked at him, looked at him. I got scared and I just kind of handed them back. Like, here, sir, here's your glasses. You might have dropped them. And, uh, and he took them back and I got so embarrassed that I ran to the bathroom. And I remember just standing there looking in the mirror, taking deep breaths, thinking, oh man, I'm going to get in so much trouble. Like, I'm going to come out. They're going to yell at me. What if I go out and, and they yell at me so much that I have to leave? What am I going to tell? my dad. Well, I was going through all these things. Finally, I calmed down. I listened as the students and leaders went up the staircase right next to the bathroom and they went up for worship. And I was like, okay, I'm alone now. I'll leave. And when I left, there was a youth leader waiting. And I got out there and I thought, oh no, here comes uh, the business. And he told me that while I shouldn't have done what I did, that I'm okay. And he invited me upstairs to come and worship. And that moment, I thought, wait, wait a second, what's going on here? Why is he being nice to me? Like, sure, he said not to do it, but that he did it in a nice way. And then he invited me to join once again for us to, to listen to worship and message. And I don't remember what the worship and message was that night, but I do remember the kindness and love that he shared because it started my mind thinking, okay, well, these people are not just nice to me. There's something else going on here. A couple months later, I was at an overnighter, and at the overnighter, I remember I just drank a bunch of energy drinks, and I don't know anything else that happened except for a conversation. My youth pastor, it was right outside the kitchen. I can remember it like it was yesterday. He talked to me about this retreat, which I'd never heard of before. I'm sure he said it from an announcement, but I didn't listen. And so he was telling me about it, and I told him, I don't really want to go away for a weekend uh, to a church thing. And he's like, no, 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 I want you to consider coming. And so he talked to me for a while. I said, I would consider. And eventually I said yes to go to that retreat where I heard the good news about Jesus, and I trusted in him as Lord and Savior. So while it is true that that's where my conversion moment happened, where I gave my life to Jesus, all those relationships led to that point. If I had been kicked out for taking glasses off a leader's face, I never would have been there to get invited to that retreat. And if it wasn't for those relationships that I had built by playing video games and, and talking to the people while I was at school, I wouldn't have felt comfortable to go to this retreat at all. But those relationships got me ready to hear the good news of Jesus. And that often happens in our lives as well. I want to encourage you today that it's often in everyday relationships where we live, work, learn, and play that God wants to use us for his kingdom purpose. He wants to use our lives for his kingdom purpose. And he wants to do that through everywhere. Everywhere we go, everywhere we live, learn, work, and play. Sometimes we think it's just like a passionate, persuasive message that leads someone to Jesus. But oftentimes, people see the love of Jesus through everyday occurrences with us. When we're consistent in our love and our relationship with Jesus, that will show up and people will start to notice it. And it will give us opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. But while that's true, there is a temptation that we will face. The temptation is to not do that. The temptation is to look at the risks of looking a little weird or having to answer some questions. And instead of 
telling people about Jesus, the risk will be to just kind of, you know, isolate, be by ourselves, to not go around with non-Christians or to share the good news. But it's so important that we must. It's so important that Jesus gave marching orders to his disciples regarding this mission to be mobilized to go into the world. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, he said this, and his disciple Matthew wrote this down as well. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus instructed us to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. And one of the best ways we can do that is by focusing on compassionately loving people and developing relationships with the lost. One of my favorite examples of this, someone who did this really well, happened in the fifth century. There was this guy named Patrick, and you might have heard of him. We celebrate him now as St. Patrick on St. Patrick's Day. He, at one point in life, was just a normal guy before his becoming a saint, but he was still a normal guy. He just was a guy that loved Jesus and wanted people to know about Jesus. But his story is fascinating. He started as a, a young boy in England where he was abducted and taken to slavery, He was abducted and taken to Ireland as a slave, and there he worked. And while he worked there, he mainly focused on uh, shepherding sheep. That was part of his uh, slave duties. And while he was there, he invested a lot of time praying with the sheep. And then at night, talks about in his journal entries about how much he prayed and he sought after God. Eventually, God delivered him from that, and he ended up back at home. And when he went back home, he decided that he was going to turn his whole life over to Jesus, and he was going to focus on becoming a minister in the name of Jesus. So he went to school, and he trained in it. And once he became a priest, he decided that he wanted to go back to Ireland. He actually had a vision from God of him ministering to people who had enslaved him. His heart beat for a nation of people who didn't know Jesus. And so he went and requested to bring a team of people to go and evangelize to those, to to minister to those who don't know Jesus. And so they said, yes, we brought this team of men and women, which is radical in itself, and they went to Ireland. And their mission, and their plan in their mission, rather, was to go and build relationships. So what they did was they made camps outside of a town or a village. And then Patrick would go in and meet the chief of that town. And they'd sit down together and Patrick would say, I want to go and I want to love on your people. We want to just care for your people. We want to heal the sick in the name of Jesus. We want to feed the hungry. We want to mediate problems. We want to counsel people. We just want to care. And sure, we'll talk about Jesus, but we want to care for your people. And they also said, we're going to have church outside of town. So we're not going to come into town and set up a church there. We're going to do it outside of town. And people are welcome to come, but we really just want to show the love of Jesus to your town. And eventually the chief or whoever was leading would say, sure, go and do that. And so they went and they did it. They fed the hungry. They healed people in the name of Jesus. They counseled people. They mediated problems and they loved people. And then they showed the the story of Jesus through largely skits or poetry or plays because it was very imaginative people that they were reaching. So they wanted to reach the people where they were. And then they'd invite people, open invitation. Anyone wants to come to church um, out outside of town, feel free. And people did. They were so curious. What is this Jesus that you keep talking about? And, And why are you loving us and caring for us so much? So they'd go and they would hear about Jesus and many 
came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then Patrick and his team, what they did is they raised a leader up from that group and then they sent them back into the town to start their own church in that town for those people. And then Patrick and his team got up and they went to another village or town and did the same thing over and over and over. It was all about sharing the good news of Jesus with the lost through building relationships. And that method of ministry and sharing about Jesus still works today. It's why I love what happens at New Life Students and New Life Kids. While the word of God is spoke and uh, worship is, is experienced during New Life Kids and New Life Students, they also have times where they have fun and they play games. And they also have time of relationship building in small groups. They intentionally share their lives, the leaders, with the students and with the kids because it's one of the best ways to show people the love of Jesus. It's also why I love what my friend, Pastor Mark Lutz, and his wife, Jen, started in 2021. They started a digital church called Lux Digital Church. And their whole purpose is to share their lives and develop relationships with people who are lost who are far from God. Even on their website, it says, using digital tools, we can effectively build relationships, disciple, and care for people who live thousands of miles away. So they play video games, and they talk about shared hobbies, and they share their lives in such a way that people see Jesus. And they have seen people come to know Jesus, people all around the world who've come to know Jesus and are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because of their desire to reach the lost and because God's still working and he's still pursuing people and he works whenever, well, he works all the time, but we get to partner with him in that work when we develop these relationships with the lost. And so God has called us to do that. God's called us to have this mentality where we have compassion on those far from God. And when we do that, Gary Poole, the writer I mentioned earlier, says that our lives will become contagious that people will see Jesus in us so much so that they'll start asking questions and they'll wonder, what is going on? They'll see the joy, the peace, the patience, and they'll say, what is going on? You have hope when you shouldn't have hope and we'll be able to lead them to Jesus. In his book, The Three Habits of Highly Contagious People, Gary Poole says this, living an intentionally contagious Christian life really matters. It matters to our heavenly father who gave up the life of his son to buy back the ones he loves so much. It desperately matters to all those who are yet to be redeemed from a Jesus Christless eternity. It matters to our churches as we strive to fulfill our redemptive potential. It is, without a doubt, worth all the effort and risks involved. It's worth it. It's worth it, and I don't need to tell you this, but it's worth it because people are hurting in this world. Maybe more than ever, people are isolated, and they need this relationship with other people, and they need this relationship they always have with Jesus. And some people are so desiring fulfillment that what they've done is they've attached themselves to addictions or to selfishness or to escapism in order to find some kind of semblance of fulfillment. But we know the answer. We know the truth, that it comes only through Jesus that they can get that healing or they can be part of the family of God or they can be free from their chains. Jesus said he came to free the captive to heal the hurting, and he still does that today. There's this temptation when it comes to us sharing the good news, and the temptation says, well, I'll believe what I believe, you can believe what you believe, but when something's true, it's true, whether we wanna believe it or not, and the good news is that Jesus came and died for this world, and it's that important that it's worth the risk of awkward conversations, of sometimes people asking us questions. It's worth it to dedicate our lives to sharing the good news of Jesus with the world, one person at a time. 
The Apostle Paul wrote about this, about his focus. As he went around starting churches, telling the loss about Jesus, he had this idea that he was a servant to everyone that he encountered, especially the lost. It said this in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. Even though I'm a free man with no master, I've become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I am not subject to the law. I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But you do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. I would love that to be said about our lives as well. We're so focused, not on ourselves, but we're so focused on those around us that we are willing to share our lives, to develop relationships, to find common ground so that maybe even just one would come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. One of the big reasons why I'm very passionate about this is because in 2019, I was in a class in my master's program, and it talked all about this focus. The class is called Evangelism, and I thought when I signed up for it, it was simply going to be about sharing about Jesus from a stage. And I said, okay, I know how to do that. Let me, let me take this class. It'll be nice. And I got into the class, and it was not about that at all. It was all about how we live lives where we share Jesus with our neighbors and our family members and our friends. This was the focus of the class. When we know Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are to be his ambassadors everywhere we go, everywhere we go. And so we focused on thinking through how are we living lives that are shared with the loss. And I started to think, I don't know if I am. I looked at my friend group. I looked at the people that surround me, even my family members who aren't Christians. And I realized that most of my time is not invested with them. Not a lot of my time was invested with them. And so it convicted me in such a way that I started to become very intentional about how I scheduled my time. That I started to seek out relationships with people who don't know Jesus, to step out of my comfort zone, to, to help form these relationships where I can share my life with other people, just so that some people might see Jesus through me. One of the things I did is I went online and I looked up a board game community, because I like board games, and if we're supposed to find some common ground, might as well find something that, that I enjoy and other people enjoy as well. And so I joined this online community where I get to share about Jesus, but really share and develop relationships that show people Jesus in my life. I found this group in Pittsburgh that plays games, and so I go there every couple of months to share with a group of people who aren't Christians where we develop relationships and they know what I believe in. And then last year at New Life, another focus happened. Here, we started talking about how God has brought ones into our lives. And we say a one because it's reminiscent of what Jesus said with the, the lost sheep. There's 99 here, and then there's a one out there. And God has brought ones into our lives where God has asked us to build relationships with specific people so we can show them the love of Jesus. And so we started to pray through that. And for me, I started to pray through that. God, bring someone to my mind. I know a bunch of people now that don't know Jesus. And the person you brought to my mind was a guy named Joe. 
one of my close friends that I've known for more than 20 years. And so I started to be very intentional in praying for Joe every single day and started scheduling monthly times to get together. We're getting together again in a couple weeks. And through this time, we've had these amazing conversations about Jesus. Now, he's not a Christian yet, but he's in that pre-Christian state where he's asking some really good questions. And thankfully, Pastor Mark has the same focus. And so we get to do that together, which is such a joy living in the and the Christian family, the family of God, is that we don't have to do this by ourselves, that we get to do this alongside one another, that God comes with us, but we can also do this with fellow believers as the family of Jesus. We can pursue people. Now, I'm not perfect at it, but I want to get better because it's just that important. Whenever we get to engage with the lost and talk to people who don't yet know Jesus, it's immediately known, at least in my heart, that it's just so much more important than everything else. And when we talk to people who don't know Jesus, we get to help them make a decision that doesn't just affect their now, but affect their eternity. And so this not only is something that we must do because God calls us, it's just that important for the people that are around us. So how do we do this? Practically, what do we do to reach the lost for Jesus? How do we develop these relationships? Well, let's talk about three practical things before we close today. First thing is this, we pray for God to soften our hearts for the lost. Practically, we just pray, God, please, have my heart beat for what yours beats for. Help me to see the lost as you see them and to have compassion. And when we pray that prayer, he will light a fire in our hearts. So we pray for God to soften our hearts for the lost. We can also pray for God to deliver a one to us, to bring someone to us who doesn't know Jesus. So we can ask God to reveal to you your one and pray for them daily. And the third thing we can do is we can find time to hang out with a friend or family member who don't, doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't yet know Jesus. And when we do that, we'll have to schedule time, which means we'll have to say no to something in order to say yes to this investment. And when we have these times with someone who doesn't know Jesus, there will be some times where we'll be asked questions, but thanks be to God, the Holy Spirit will work through us during that time. Sometimes there's a fear that goes on, at least in, in my heart, that whenever we're reaching someone specifically for the good news, they might say something like, wait, are you only friends with me because you want me to become a Christian? Now, I will emphasize people are not projects. They're people who God loves and that we are to love. But in those instances, when I've been asked that question, I have been asked that question, I always respond by saying, if you believed what I believe, that if you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you get to spend eternity with him, and if not, separation from him in hell forever. How much would you have to hate someone to not share that with a person? And usually they go, oh, well, that makes sense. So I just say, that I love you. And because I love you, I want to share the good news. And then we can still have this relationship. And we're able to do that because of the compassion of Jesus. And so, yes, it is difficult sometimes, but God has given us a pathway to do that. By developing relationships and, and sharing our lives, we can show people the good news of Jesus and bring them to a point where they get to make this decision to follow the God of the universe forever. And we can live that out through today's next step, which says this, I will pray for someone who doesn't know Jesus and look for opportunities to build a relationship with them. Kind of squeeze in two next steps in one. But it is really two things. We pray and then we look for where God is moving and then we respond. And we respond by investing time with those who don't yet know Jesus. If you're here today and that's you, maybe earlier in the message when we talked about someone far from God or in rebellion against God, you related with that. Well, I want to share with you how to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I want to implore you that if you've never made this decision today, 
make this decision. We talked about fulfillment and healing, breaking bonds earlier, and Jesus wants to do all of that in your life, and he loves you so much that he died and rose again for you. And so here at New Life, we talk about this every week, but we say that coming to know Jesus is not always easy because we have to give our lives over, but it is simple. It's as simple as A, B, and C. A meaning we admit. We first admit that we're sinners. And what a sinner is is someone that just doesn't follow the path of God. So we admit that we mess up sometimes, and we admit that he, Jesus, is the rescuer from sin and death, our Savior. And we believe. We believe in Jesus and who he said he is, our Lord, meaning master, owner, and God, and Savior, rescuer from sin and death. And then we confess not only our sins, but our need for Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then we commit to following him. And we don't have to do this alone. So we commit to following him and being led by the Holy Spirit every day. So right now we're gonna have a moment to pray. And I would encourage you, if you do know Jesus as Lord and Savior, to invest this time to pray for someone in the room or someone online or someone in your life that doesn't yet know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if today you'd like to make that commitment for the first time, I encourage you to pray alongside me. I'm gonna pray as if I were you, trusting in Jesus as Lord and Savior for the first time. And I'd encourage you to make the words your own, in your own heart, in your own mind. The God of the universe loves you and he's here and he will hear you. So let us pray. Dear God, thank you for being here. Pray that you hear the prayer of all those. I know you will. Hear the prayer of all those who wanna trust in you as Lord and Savior today. As we say, dear God, I believe you are the one true God. I believe your son Jesus came, died, and rose again from the grave for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Bring me into a new relationship with you. Make me new today. Set me free. And Holy Spirit, fill me now and every day. Pray this in Jesus' name. And dear God, for all of us, no matter where we are, God, I pray that you will help us to draw close to you right now. Bring us into this relationship with you and help us to to know you, to love you, and to share that love with the lost. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.